time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic is 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly Eyes. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. It's Morris Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how you doing? Man, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm definitely going to need Coach Adams to hype me up when we talk to him later because I'm still not 100% over the Monday night football game. I'm just going to be honest. It's I'm, I'm not all the way past that yet. But, you know, we had a good week of high school football. We had an absolutely bananas week of college football. So doing good. Just Nick Chubb, man. Just yeah. <laughs> Nick Chubb. It, it, it's okay. We're going to, we'll, we'll move on. I'm sure we'll talk about it again more in depth later and later on the show as well. We're going to talk some NFL, but no, I'm doing good. Excited for the show tonight. Excited for the week ahead in high school sports. We got a lot of good stuff to get to it. it we got another great one. It's no surprise. We only bring you great ones here on the NWO orthopedic sports huddle and on WBVI WFOB, whatever other initials we use sometimes, but no, you you got a great show on deck. Thank you all for tuning in. It's going to be a good one. On this edition of the show, we'll talk, of course, with Kevin Harris to talk Ohio State and college football. The Buckeyes got the win over the weekend against Western Kentucky Saturday night. They have their first big test of the season. They head over to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. We'll catch up with Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Calatruglio. The Chieftains rolling so far this season 5-0. and oh, A big win last week over Lakota. This week they take on Margareta. We'll also talk with Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams. The Trojans stayed hot with a win of their own over Fremont Ross last week. This week they take on Springfield. And we'll talk with Fostoria head football coach Derek Kidwell. They Last week they had a tough loss against Otsego. This week it doesn't get any easier when they take on Carver Bart Wilson will catch up with him a little later on in the show and we may not be physically at the Frickers in Finley but stop in for their daily specials Monday boneless frickin chicken wings day Tuesday frickin chicken wings day tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner Thursday their frickin chicken chunks kids eat free all day every day at Frickers pick up from the carryout window dine in or get delivery through DoorDash all daily specials are all dine in only download the Frickers app find them online at Frickers com and don't miss your coverage of high school football coming your way this week. It all gets started at 6 o'clock on Friday with the NWO Orthopedics Psych Up Show from the Frickers Studios. Bar Wilson and Trayvon Hastings will 
preview all the games for week six of high school football. On Classic Hits, we'll head back to the SBC River, Hopewell Loudon taking on Margareta. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have that one for you from Bascom Friday night on Classic Hits 96.7. On WFB, we'll have more coverage of the Fall Story Redmond. They hit the road to take on Oak Harbor, a very tall task against an undefeated team. Matt Com and Tom Grind have that one Friday on WFOB. Then after the game, stay tuned in for the NWO Orthopedics scoreboard show from the Fricker Studios. Barton Trayvon will recap all the games from around the area. You can hear that on Friday once the games have wrapped up. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Meetup Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback. You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Tunnel from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI Lance Morris. Back out and here with you until 7.30. The Buckeyes get a big win over the weekend to beat Western Kentucky. This Saturday they have their first test of the season. They'll head over to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. Pre-game will start at 6 o'clock. Kickoff comes at 7.30. You can hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meetup Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Kevin, let's go ahead and get right into it. The Buckeyes get a big win, much-needed win, over Western Kentucky. What were kind of your big takeaways from what you saw in Week 3? Yeah, I mean, I, that was definitely their most complete performance of the season, um, both offensively and defensively. I think we talked a lot about how this was going to be a big test for Ohio State through the air. Western Kentucky is legitimately a very, very good passing attack. I'd argue it's probably the best passing attack Ohio State's going to face all year, um, aside from maybe like a Washington or an Oregon in the college football playoff. But, you know, the secondary pretty much shut it down. You know, uh, um, all in all, like that was as strong a defensive performance as you're going to get against a uh, high-powered offense like that. Even the defensive line was getting a little bit of pressure. They got the ball out so fast that it's tough to really like get a, a ton of pressure on a team that is um, uh, an air raid offense like that that gets the ball out so fast. But I mean, really, from the defensive line to the secondary, the defense played as close to perfect as you can get uh, while still you know giving up some points. It's weird. It was also the most points that they've given up all season, but I also think it was probably their best defensive performance of the season uh, on offense too. Um, I think they finally got back to what uh, looks like an Ohio state offense or an offense that we've become accustomed to from Ohio state over the past few years. It, you know, I think really the identity of Ohio state under Ryan day 
has been an offense that can just explode with points uh, really at any given moment um, and just bury a team in points. And we haven't really seen that so far this year against Indiana or Youngstown State. It was just, it seemed like Ohio State was just kind of doing enough on offense. But man, this week they finally showcased the uh, kind of that gear where they can just unload on a team. They scored 35 points in the second quarter alone. And at one point, I think they had four touchdowns on nine plays. So just, you know, the running game looked great. Um, The passing game looked great. Uh, Kyle McCord, after that brutal third down miss to start the game, he only threw three incompletions the rest of the game. So, um, you know, on both sides of the ball, I think this is the most complete performance that Ohio State's had, honestly, in years. And Kevin, with that in mind, I mean, it's fair to say there's been some criticism and some growing boo birds, I guess you would call them, about Ohio State's performance going into this game. Do you feel this is more or less a response to that or really just kind of everything firing on all cylinders for Ohio State? Yeah, it's it's really like it's the sort of thing where, um, you know, I don't think Ohio State would have said that they've played their best ball the first two weeks of the season. Um, I don't think there was really anybody that was happy with the performances of the first two weeks of the season. Uh, But at the same time, the defense has always been super consistent. I I don't think anybody has really doubted the defense, which is really weird, um, especially where Ohio State has been the past few years. The defense has played great uh, against Indiana and against Youngstown State. It was just kind of this, in terms of the defense, this was kind of a like, prove it, sort of game because nobody was really convinced that the defense was incredible based on how it played against Youngstown State or Indiana but this was a very high high powered offense a prolific offense a very talented offense and the way Ohio State came in and shut down this offense uh, really leaves you a lot of optimism that they're going to be able to do that down the road too like there's again I I cannot emphasize enough this is the best passing attack that Ohio State's going to face all year and they just shut it down so um, that tells you that the defense is for real And in terms of the offense, I think it was really one of those things where no matter how much they struggled, you just couldn't help but look at this team and be like, well, they've got the two best receivers in college football, maybe one of the deepest running back streams in college football, um, you know, and a a five-star quarterback and Ryan Day always produces good quarterbacks. Like it just seemed like a matter of time before the offense came alive. But at the same time, we were kind of saying the same thing about that, like back in 2015, uh, for those who remember when Ohio State was stacked offensively in 2015 and just could never get it going either. So I think it's good to see that it only took three games for the offense to get going with all this talent instead of, uh, you know, 13. So um, that's kind of where we are. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that um, that what we saw on, on Saturday was what Ohio State fans expected the Ohio State offense to look like this year. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris Matt Common talking with Kevin Harris writer for Meet at Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing and really we've already kind of hit on everything we need to from the game against Western Kentucky because you know we've already said offense and defense both played their best game of the year so there's not really a whole lot we need to add on top of that so let's go ahead and just start looking ahead to this saturday the buckeyes of course take on notre dame they hit the road for a top 10 matchup 
They're, of course, perfect on the year so far. They beat Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, and Central Michigan, and definitely a much-improved team from last year. Of course, the Marshall loss was one of the big things that they had to deal with throughout all of last season, and now they have an even better player at the quarterback position with Sam Hartman, could end up being one of the best quarterbacks Ohio State plays, at least in the regular season. What else do you think we really uh, need to know about this Notre Dame team? Yeah, I mean, you you pretty much hit on all of it. It's a team that is, um, I mean, they're just solid across the board. Uh, you look, especially at the offensive line and on the defensive line, it's just a team that is really driven by um, play in the trenches. And I mean, you see that with the way they play. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Sam Hartman, but this is really a team that is uh, driven by the running game. Um, you know, it's it's if if they don't have the running game, I don't think Sam Hartman is, is as effective as he is. So it's truly a run first team, a win in the trenches sort of team. And um, that's, you know, we mentioned the big test last week of, uh, you know, the, whether or not the secondary was up to the task and whether the secondary was as good as it seems to be playing so far you know this is going to be a, just a different kind of test because it's the perfect test of whether or not ohio state is stout in the trenches on both sides of the ball and um you know i think there's reason to believe that they will be especially at least on the defensive side when you look at the really the star players uh like you know you've got your five-star defensive ends and jack sawyer and jt to um you've got your interior defensive lineman i think tyleek williams has played his best football of his career the past you know two games he really took over that game against uh um against western kentucky over the weekend so uh, i think it'll be a big test in the trenches on both sides of the ball um but uh, you know as optimistic as you probably are about the defensive side even if they haven't necessarily proved it yet uh i think there is a lot of concern on the offensive side of the ball uh we i mean we saw how bad ohio state struggled on the offensive line against indiana um, and this is a front that is just as good, if not better, than um, some of the individual players that uh, Indiana had, too. So, um, you know, I, this is probably as big of a test as it gets for the offensive line before taking on, uh, I, I think, Penn State and Michigan both have better defensive lines than Notre Dame does, too. But, um, you know, this is this game will come down to how Ohio State plays in the trenches, I think, because... Um, you know, you mentioned Sam Hartman. I'm not, I'm from Ohio State's perspective, I'm not concerned about Sam Hartman really. Um, like I said, there's the the passing attack that Ohio State played last week was better than Notre Dame's passing attack this week. Like that's just the, the truth of the situation. Um, but if Notre Dame can establish a run uh, with, you know, an overpowering offensive line, that's the way that they're going to win the game if they do. And I was actually just about to ask about that run game because I, I'll, I'll call it as it is. I, I have family of Notre Dame people around me at the regular. And the one thing that comes up time and time again, everyone's like, yeah, Hartman's great. Hartman's awesome. But estimate their running back estimate that running back room that they have over there. And obviously for my money, probably the one of the best tackles, if not the best tackle in college football this year, with Joe Alt on the one side you already mentioned that things could be one in the trenches. How do you feel Ohio state's run defense is going to be able to do against this type of attack? I mean, yes, Hartman, very good quarterback. I, I agree with what's kind of been said, probably the best quarterback that they're going to face in a while. 
in this season, but that running game, they're no slouches either. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, it's going to come down to the running game. Again, like I, Sam Hartman's fine. I think, I honestly think he's quite a bit overrated um, coming into this season. I, I have not been the world's most impressed with Sam Hartman, even going back, you know, uh, his previous seasons. Um, I, I didn't think when he committed to Notre Dame that he was like a program changing sort of quarterback. Like he's fine. He's, he's better than the quarterbacks that they've had, you know, uh, throughout the, the rest of the season or whatever, but like, it's not, he's not, he's not Caleb Williams. He's not like Drake may, he's not Michael Penix jr. Like he's, he's a, he's a serviceable quarterback and maybe the best quarterback that Ohio state's going to play this year. But like, he is not what makes Notre Dame, Notre Dame. He is not, uh, what is going to make this offense go. It's Audric, Audric, uh, estimate. And it's the defense or it's the offensive line. I mean, when you look back at this offensive line, even more than just, um, how it's a deep running backs room too. But when you look at the offensive line, like they returned three starters, including a, um, all American last year, Joe, Alt, as you mentioned, like this is a stacked offensive line. Um, and so it, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how this Ohio state front handles that. And more than that, um, it will be interesting to see the approach. Cause I think the last time Ohio state played a running game that was this good, it was against Michigan and Ohio state really sold out to stop the run. Um, you know, they, they came out with a lot of cover zero looks and that's why JJ McCarthy had the game that he did against Ohio state last year against Michigan. Um, he found open receivers because frankly, if you look back at the first half of that game, um, you had a lot of Ohio state, uh, defenders just falling down in coverage or missing tackles. And there was no help behind them. I think about two plays, two or three plays, uh, went for touchdowns just because Ohio state was in a cover zero look in there. Uh, the guy on single coverage couldn't make a play. So, I'm not sure that that's necessarily something you want to do um, against Notre Dame, especially because you did mention that Sam Hartman, I mean, he is a talented quarterback. I also don't think Notre Dame necessarily has um, a lot of talent on the outside, um, but the strength of this team is its running game. So it will be very interesting to see what Jim Knowles does, whether he wants to go to that cover zero look again, uh, that kind of put him at risk against Michigan and just hope that Sam Hartman doesn't beat them over the top or those receivers can't beat them over the top or um, whether they want to just have more of a base look and hope that they can stop the the running game without ex extra men in the box. So either way, it'll be really interesting. Um, it'll be kind of a, a schematic chess match. And I, I think the one thing that gives Ohio State a little more optimism if they do try to load the box is that this secondary individually, um, these players have looked much, much, much more solid in coverage this year than they did last year. You know, Denzel Burke, I think right now is playing like one of the best corners in the country. Um, uh, you've got Igbenosin on the outside. You've got Jordan Hancock has kind of moved into the coverage nickel uh, player. So if, if Ohio state does try to load the box and um, play in coverage, I think it would go a little bit better than it went last year against Michigan. But um, you know, We'll have to see if Jim Knowles is willing to do that again after uh, how last year played out against Michigan. Talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And we've mentioned already, you know, a handful of times, game's going to be decided based on the movement and everything in the trenches. 
that gives me great pause because we've seen that the Ohio State offensive line has faltered at different points. And again, yeah, they might have had a better week last week, but it was very apparent in those first two games that it was one of, if not the biggest weakness of the Ohio State team, you know, on that offensive side. And it's not as if they have, you know, the top top draft picks on either side of the Notre Dame defensive line, but it's a defensive line that is at the very least fairly high above average. That could be a big thing if they are able to get pressure the way they have been able to against, you know, some of these lower tier opponents. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not great news for Ohio state. Um, obviously, uh, you know, based on how Ohio state played against Indiana, as I mentioned, and it was not a, not a great game. Uh, I, I will say credit where credit's due. The offensive line played fantastically against western kentucky this past week and obviously it's western kentucky obviously you can only take so much away from that but i mean just schematically and understanding assignments um they looked like a gelled um veteran offensive line last week and i think like that has been a lot of the problem for ohio state it hasn't necessarily been individual talent or physical ability like all of these guys are like physical freaks. Um, I mean, frankly, the worst offensive lineman before last week has been Donovan Jackson, and he is a five-star prospect coming out of college, like coming out of high school. So it, it has nothing to do with physical ability. Um, it is just understanding assignments and um, knowing your scheme and knowing your you know knowing where you need to be on each individual play, um, knowing who's pulling. Uh, just several several things like that have been more of the issue in both the pass game and the run game. And that looked a lot better last week. So um, that gives a little bit of confidence. And I also do want to uh, clarify a little bit. I say the game's going to be won in the trenches. I think what I really mean by that is that if Notre Dame doesn't win in the chance in the trenches, they have no chance because I think Ohio state has the pretty clear advantage in really every other aspect of the game, Ohio State I think has a better secondary. Um, Notre Dame fans might want, might push back against that because Notre Dame's secondary is also the best that Ohio State's faced so far this year. But I think Ohio State at this point probably has a better secondary. Um, Ohio State has better skill players on the outside. I think Ohio State they're not going to like this either. But I think Ohio State has better quarterback play too. Um, so I think Notre Dame's path to victory here is just dominating the trenches. And I'm not saying that's not possible. It very well could be. But um, I think Ohio State has the advantage in every other aspect of the game outside of the trenches. So if Notre Dame can't dominate the trenches, I think it's going to be a long game for Notre Dame. But uh, if Notre Dame can come in and dominate the trenches, I think that you know that's that's their path to victory. But I think there also is a path to victory if Ohio State looks a little shaky on the offensive line. Um, and like, like it's still possible to win. You can get the ball out quickly. You saw that with Western Kentucky last week when their offensive line was imploding and stuff too. So um, there's there's a path to victory if Ohio State doesn't necessarily dominate the to, or either side of the uh, trenches, but I'm not sure there is one for Notre Dame if they don't dominate the, the trenches, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, honestly, that makes pretty good sense to me, Kevin. I, I, I am curious your thoughts because this has turned into a pretty good rivalry. I mean, it always has been, but... Over the past couple of years, these two teams going against each other has made for some 
entertaining games. And I'm just curious your thoughts with all the crazy realignment that's happening. I know the mere concept and phrasing the sentence of Notre Dame joining a conference makes every Notre Dame fans blood boil and turns into a seven minute dissertation of why being an independent team makes them better than everybody else. But yeah, I, I am curious with the massive realignments with all the changes that are happening with the TV deals going on. I know Notre Dame has their own TV deal, but do you see this in any way being a precursor to a potential big 10 joining from Notre Dame and becoming one of those yearly games, kind of like the Penn state game, the Michigan game where Ohio state gets to go against them. And both teams really get to cut their teeth against a top tier opponent. Yeah. You know, I think it would make sense. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think Notre Dame to the Big Ten would make all the sense in the world, especially when you consider that um, the Big Ten just added USC, which is a traditional rival of Notre Dame, too. So I don't know. I, I think in the long run, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think in the long run, Notre Dame will find itself in the Big Ten, especially because it seems like their options are going to be the Big Ten or the SEC. And uh, the Big Ten is just going to make more sense. I know that they love to hang on to their independence, but it's getting to the point where, um, you know, it's it's going to be there. I mean, there's there's rules already with the new expansion of the college football playoffs that are going to make it difficult, more difficult on Notre Dame um, not being in a conference. So I think it's just going to take a couple years or a few years of that being the case for Notre Dame to maybe decide, actually, um, maybe we should join a conference. But I don't know it. it They've obviously resisted this long. Um, they've lasted, they even lasted through COVID. They kind of got in with the ACC and played that like one season where they were essentially members of the ACC. It, it'll be interesting. I think they fit perfectly in the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, it, it would take a lot for them to give up that independence. But I, I think with how much college football is changing, I wouldn't rule it out. And sounds like you are, in fact, favoring Ohio State to win this one. What, in fact, uh, is your prediction going to be? Oh yeah, I I do. I I think, man, I'm I'm. You probably you guys probably have quite a few Notre Dame listeners, and they're not going to be really <laughs> happy with me. Um, I heading into this season, I would have picked Notre Dame is an eight or nine win team, and I kind of still uh, stick by that. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show last week, me and Lance, about, um, you know, the game against NC State. It looks like a blowout, but that was a close game in the fourth quarter. And NC State is not a great team. Um, that's not to say that Ohio State hasn't played its fair share of stinkers, too. But, like, this has not been a Notre Dame team that has just gone in and dominated opponents, like, start to finish. Um, so I am, I don't know, I, I'm I'm a little lower on Notre Dame than most people are. I think this is a team that's going to lose to USC, to Clemson, and to probably Duke, too. So, um, you know, I, I think that this is a test for Ohio State, but this is maybe the third best team that Ohio State's going to play all year between Michigan and Penn State, too. So I do think Ohio State's more talented. I With what Ohio State showed last week in the secondary, especially, um, I am more confident in Ohio State than I was, you know, two weeks ago. Um, I, I think Ohio State's probably going to pull away in this game. I think it could be like a two-score win for Ohio State. I would I would do something like, I don't know, 35 to 24 or something like that. 
This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. Lance Moore's Matt Common talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Let's look back at week three of college football. And there might not have been any true marquee-type games, but there were a handful of interesting ones. You had Georgia beating South Carolina by 10 Florida State escapes against Boston College. They only win by two. Texas started slow, but the final score looks a lot uh, more lopsided in their game against Wyoming. Same thing with Bama. They started about as slow as they possibly could have before they were able to beat South Florida. Florida able to beat Tennessee at home. Missouri hits a 61-yard field goal as time expires to beat Kansas State. And, of course, the game seemingly everyone was watching based on the ratings. Colorado needed double overtime to beat Colorado State. What were some of your uh, big takeaways from last weekend in college football? Yeah, I'm, it was a wild week in, um, in, in, I mean, the whole college football world. I think this is one of those where it ended up being um, a good week for Ohio State to look good. Because I think the, nobody else looked good. Like n- you had Georgia uh, struggling with a bad South Carolina team. That is a bad South Carolina team. Um, and they struggled the entire game, uh, pulled away at the end, obviously. But you had, you know, Michigan going out and JJ McCarthy threw three picks. Uh, it should have been four, but um, ended up being a circus catch for a touchdown. Instead, uh, you had Alabama going and laying an egg again. Texas didn't look good. Like nobody looked good. And you had Ohio State going and playing its best performance of the game, so or the be- best performance of the season. So um, good time for Ohio State to to look good compared to everyone else. Uh, and so, like I don't know, it's um, it was a it was a very fun week to just kind of like sit back and watch. Um, it seems like no team has really emerged as like an unstoppable force that is you know gonna roll through everyone and clearly make the college football playoff and stuff like that. Like it's a pretty wide open race at this point. Um, it's, it's just interesting to watch. Obviously I watched the uh, Colorado state, Colorado game too. That was super fun. Um, I can't believe that Colorado state gave that game away at the very end, but um, I don't know. It was, it was a, a very good weekend of college football uh, when we didn't really expect it to be, I guess um, there weren't a ton of like, you know, ranked matchups or anything like that, like there are this week. So uh, maybe that's good or bad news for the upcoming slate this week, because uh, it is pretty loaded with games that should be pretty high profile games. Oh, well, before I go to my question concerning, you know, some of the personal performances and look at the Heisman's and stuff like that, could could you just repeat that sentence you said about Alabama? Just, <laughs> just, just one time. Just, uh, I, I, I need that hit once again. That felt so well, good. That Alabama laid an egg was that what it was? Yeah, just, I don't remember uh, exactly what I said. You know, I think you broke up a little bit. Just one more time on that one, please. <laughs> oh, Alabama laid an egg. They they are probably going to lose. They're going to lose more, more games this yeah. season. Like uh, that is that is that is not a good football team. Um, and I believe I believe I told you that heading into the season that this was not going to be a terribly good football team. Mm-hmm. I I would have called them. Maybe I even did. I know I did somewhere, whether it was on our podcast or on here, uh, probably like an, it's more likely to be an eight win team than it is a 10 win team. So um, it'll, that'll be interesting. They've got an interesting game coming up this weekend against Ole Miss. So 
we'll see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, this is this is not a good year for Alabama. I I just I just needed to hear that again. Now my actual question, because we are starting to get you know a little bit deeper into the season, you're starting to get some more Heisman conversations, and for reasons that continue to defy common logic and reality for me, Caleb Williams seems to be at the top of the heap as of right now, but I, I, I'm noticing a lot of people starting to sneak in and I'm going to skip the obvious ones of Shadur Sanders on that. Who's just looked phenomenal so far for Colorado, especially with that come from behind victory against Colorado state, certainly making a compelling argument for himself. But my question to you, anyone that you're starting to see in these Heisman discussions that has surprised you so far that maybe weren't necessarily expecting or thought they were going to be okay. Maybe not this good early on uh i don't know so far the board kind of makes sense to me um i think the 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 shooter sanders one is is interesting i think there's a lot of people who are acting like he like came out of nowhere um he was like a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school like he was always going to be i mean he's the son of a nfl hall of famer like it's not just this isn't just nepotism that he ended up you know uh is is a good quarterback or whatever like he was a a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school um so the the fact that he is good is not really like all that surprising um but at the same time uh he he he's probably up there i think the one that will surprise a lot of people that didn't really surprise me was michael Penix jr um you know it if you think back to last year, he was putting up huge numbers for Washington, uh, you know, when he was in his, I guess that was his first year at Washington last year. Um, you know, he should be higher on the, on the Heisman boards. I think at this point in the season, um, just based on the numbers that he's putting up, how good that offense looks. Uh, so I think he is a guy. Um, I don't know if there's anybody that's on the, at the top of the board right now that necessarily surprises me, but I think he's like, if you're um, looking for a guy that could end up, you know, really contending for the the Heisman that probably isn't as high up on the list as he should be, I think it's Michael Penix Jr. I think he's a, a guy that is going to end up in New York by the end of the year. Um, based on what he did last year and what he's doing again this year, his production is not a fluke, and I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, I think that's a guy that is going to end up in the Heisman conversation throughout the season and is probably going to be a high first round pick uh, and really be in that conversation along with Caleb Williams and Drake May uh, as we're heading into the NFL draft. So um, if you have not heard that name or you have not believed that hype quite yet, um, Michael Penix Jr. coming out of uh, Washington. And if that name sounds familiar to you, that's because he actually started his career at Indiana. Um, and if you remember back in, man, I don't remember when his, when his first year was against Ohio state, but he had a, he had a great game against Ohio state. I believe it was the 2020 season when, uh, Indiana had that really good team. Um, but he is a, a very talented quarterback. Um, and I have been very impressed with, by him this year. Can someone, you or anyone, can someone tell Josh Heupel that Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyde are gone? I don't think he knows. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I don't know. That is a, that is a brutal, brutal program right now too. Um, with how high they were last year, uh, man, I, I, and like, 
the weird thing is the entire off season we heard about um you know joe milton and his, and his arm strength and stuff like that and it just hasn't translated um it hasn't been you know as dominant as as they expected and you know tennessee has the five-star quarterback on the bench too i'm not sure it really matters that offensive line is brutally bad so um unless nico can play uh left tackle for for tennessee i think it's going to be a long season for them too well not for nothing i really think joe milton showed off his arm strength and his arm ability you know towards the tail end of the game last weekend you know when he squared up that that seemed like a pretty mean right hook there that he was able to throw yeah yeah that was that was one of the wildest things that i've seen in college football in quite a while um that was hilarious but um yeah man college football is between that and you know everything that happened at colorado state and it was it was just a wild weekend, but I'm hoping I'm hoping this weekend delivers in terms of of wild games as well, because I think it's pretty stacked. The slate's pretty stacked from uh, really noon until the finish. So let's do that. Let's look ahead to this weekend's slate of games like we've alluded to. Very jam packed. You got Florida State, Clemson, Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, Ole Miss, Bama. Oregon State, Washington State, Iowa versus Penn State. Obviously, we already talked Ohio State and Notre Dame, but all those games are ranked matchups in some way, shape, or form. There's almost, I hope you have everything ready that you need for Saturday because I think a lot of us are going to be in front of our TVs for about 12-ish hours or so. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's really what it is. Starting with, you've got that Florida State-Clemson game. Um, You know, that'll be... That'll be fun. Um, I think Clemson, they dropped a little too far, in my opinion. Um, I, I like to hate on Clemson. I like to hate on Dabo. <laughs> that that shouldn't be an unranked team. I think they're like comfortably in that like 20 to 25 range, and I think they'll be there at the end of the season after they beat Notre Dame. Um, but they uh, are – just throw that in there. Yeah, I had, <laughs> I had to get that in there too. Um, I mean, they, they have a ton of talent. They still have uh, a lot of, um, you know – a lot of talent on the defensive line and stuff like that. So they're not a terrible football team. Um, so that'll be interesting with Florida state, especially with how, you know, Florida state played against Boston college this past week. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see about that. Obviously everyone's going to be watching uh, Colorado, Oregon, but I would implore you to maybe people are going to be want, wanting to watch Ole Miss versus Alabama too. Um, I would out of, out of all of the games at the three thirty slate, the best game is going to be UCLA versus Utah. I think those are the two better football teams. Um, I, I doubt people are really going to listen to me. Uh, you're going to want to watch the the Deion Sanders or um, maybe uh, Nick Saban lose again. But that UCLA-Utah game, I think you're going to see that having major um, college football playoff implications towards the end of the year. I think both of those teams. Utah maybe isn't there yet, but that's a team that is going to be um, – a legitimate contender by the end of the year uh, if they can survive some of these early season games. So that's my, that's the three thirty game I'm going to be watching. Um, and then obviously you got Ohio state. I, most people listening to this are, kind of, are probably going to be watching Ohio state, Notre Dame, uh, but you also got Iowa and Penn state. That's a really big game too. I think I would have expected Penn state to just roll over Iowa um, last year, but the way Drew Aller played uh, the offense didn't look that great. Um, I don't know. It, it, that, that'll be interesting. That'll be one of those really low scoring games that 
whoever can push across uh, more touchdowns or um, sneak a few more points than could be uh, the uh, sneaky winner in that game. So um, I'm, I'm excited for this whole weekend in general. I think it's going to be a, a great weekend of college football. Okay, so I have a joke question and then an actual question. True or false, did Brian Ferentz, did they score more points on Western Michigan just to hopefully get their average up for the rest of the season? You know, you would think that they they should have. If that's not what they did on purpose, they, they should have been doing that on purpose. And then my actual question, any uh, upsets or any uh, teams you think are going to win even in these uh, tough matchups this weekend? I don't know if I have any upset picks. Um, you know, I am interested in, man, Ole Miss and Alabama. Ole Miss and Alabama is, both those teams are not very good. Um, people are going to convince themselves that one of those teams is good based on that game. One, another game that I, I'm going to throw out there is, is a game that nobody's going to watch, but um, I, I think that one of these teams is going to emerge as a, a really solid team. Um, and maybe kind of take that step in this direction this week. Oregon State is for real. Oregon State is a very good team, and they're playing number 21, Washington State, this week. I think I would expect them to come out and have a really strong showing um, and kind of just establish themselves as a, you know, legitimate, I don't want to say college football playoff contender right yet, but, I mean, they are every bit deserving of that number 14 ranking, and I think they're even a top 10 talented team, so... Um, that will be that will be fun. Um, outside of that, you know, I I think Oregon's probably going to handle Colorado um, without Travis Hunter. He's a very important player on that offense and defense. Um, I got Utah probably beating UCLA, Ole Miss beating Alabama reluctantly, um, and then probably Oregon State, Penn State, and Ohio State are kind of my picks for the ranked matchups. I don't think I I don't think I missed any, but. Um, and then Florida State Clemson. I think Florida State still wins, but that's going to be an interesting game too. This has been Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with the comeback and off announcing. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Awesome. Sounds good. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Calatruglio here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Fostoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria. Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. 
Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFO being classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. The Hopewell Loudon Chieftains have been rolling so far this season. They moved to 5-0 over the weekend with a big win over Lakota. We'll have coverage of them on Friday night when they play host to Margareta. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have that one for you on Classic. It's 96.7. We're now pleased to be joined by Hopewell Loudon head football coach and athletic director Brian Calatruglio here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Always uh, always appreciate getting to catch up with you. And you, of course, you had some guys to replace from last year's team, but by and large, a lot of the key guys were back for you. How much did that kind of help things for you uh, over in the offseason, kind of getting ready for the year? Yeah, no, it always helps, especially getting off to a fast start and, um, you know, playing the, you know, the the non-league schedule that we play, we knew we needed to be ready. And um, especially, you know, having an experienced quarterback and, you know, our, our two top skill players, uh, Braylon Martinez and, and Blake Barrier coming back, um, you know, that, that was a, a big help in, in getting us off to the fast start. And you mentioned it with the non-league slate. It's It's been the same for the last few years. Carry Mohawk, and Foss story before getting into the SBC River action. What kind of goes into, you know, making those picks? Obviously, Fostoria not too far down the road. And Carry and Mohawk, of course, teams with, you know, natural history between you guys. But kind of what yeah. goes into uh, what goes into making that schedule? Well, yeah, no, we like, the, you know, several things. Obviously, we want you know, competitive football games and, um, the, the short travel is nice. Um, all, all three of those teams, you know, they, they travel really well. So as you know, the AD side of things, you know, I want to make a little bit of money on our home games and, um, you know, those, those three are, are really good, you know, traditional football schools and, um, you know, communities that are close to ours and you know, our, our, a lot of our kids know each other and, you know, it's just good natural rivalries that, that we have with all three of them. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios talking with Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Calatruglio. And you guys have kind of fluctuated over the years. Uh, some years you guys are in Division 6. Some years you're in 7. This year back in Division 7, Region 26. Obviously, we're still a ways from the postseason, so not asking for in-depth uh, postseason analysis, but kind of what do you think uh, in terms of the future, uh, how much that will change being in uh, D7 this year compared to D6 last few seasons? Well, you know, again, just looking at the regions, there, there's not a ton of difference in, in Northwest Ohio and in, in six and seven. You know, there, um, <clears throat> there's some really, really good teams at the top of both. Um, you know, the 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 quality of small school football in this part of the state is, is outstanding, and um, you know, it, it ends up being about matchups. It really doesn't matter if you're six or seven. Honestly, you're. You're looking for for a team. You know, you're hoping to get somebody that you match up pretty well with, and and see if you can't you know, get in and win a game or two. One thing you guys uh, did have to deal with injuries, obviously, kind of happen across the board. But uh, Will Nutter going down with uh, an injury uh, prior to the start of the year. He was, of course, two way guy for you. Was a lineman of the year last season. How much does that loss affect things? Because I mean, for him, you basically are losing two guys with what he was able to do both sides of the ball. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it was a crusher, you know, I mean, and, and, and it's not, obviously it, it hurts our team and, you know, the, <clears throat> you know, he, he was going to be a big part of our team, but man, he just feels so bad for the kid. You know, he, he's a outstanding kid. He works so hard, you know, football is a sport that he truly loves. 
Um, you know, we're hoping to you know start the kind of the recruiting process, come, moving into his junior year. You know, just so many things that you know he had going for him and was looking forward to, and put so much time into, and you know to to not even make it to the regular season. It just yeah, it really stinks for him. Um, you know, and I, I know our opponents aren't going to feel sorry for us. You know, we we still got to go out and play every week, but you know, just just for for him as a as a great kid to not be able to play his junior year is 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 tough to take. The offense for you guys, though, it has been very good so far this year. Twenty points plus in every game, of course, led by Evan Crease and. I know we talked about it last year, but he, of course, had some big shoes to fill uh, when Ashton Bohr graduated, and he's he's not the same player back there as Ashton, of course, but he, he's certainly made kind of that position his own. Kind of, What can you say about him and the offensive unit as a whole and you know what's kind of been the key to their success so far this year? Yeah, no, he's outstanding. He's one of the smartest kids I've coached. You know, his, as a quarterback, his ability to process – and, and to understand coverage and, and where the ball needs to go um, pre-snap and post-snap is is the, the best I've, I've ever had as a quarterback. Um, you know, I've had kids that could throw, I've had kids that could run. Um, you know, I don't know if – I know I've never had a kid like him who just understands every concept that we're running and gets the ball to the right place. Um, you know, we're, we're able to do so much more in the passing game than what we've ever done, and – um, you know, we have some talented receivers, which helps for sure. But, you know, him being the trigger man and getting the ball to the right spot is has, has, has really made us tough to defend. And, you know, our offensive line starting to come together um, last few weeks. And we, we've – Braylon Martinez has been over 100 yards now for the last few weeks and um, rushing. So we're, we're starting to get that balance and, and make teams you know, have to defend uh, the entire field sideline to sideline. I mean, yeah, I remember watching uh, watching you guys that week one game against Kerry. Didn't exactly start the way you would have wanted it to start. Kerry kind of went right down the field. But after that, it was a game you guys, you know, really took control of. And it's it's always interesting to see the teams that, you know, over the last few years typically rely more on running the ball as their main source of offense. But it's, you know, three, four wide. I'm like, oh, this is this is good. This is a little different. Yeah, well, against Kerry, we had to do that because we we weren't going to be able to block them, so we we had to be able to to spread them out and, and and try to get some get the ball out quick. And like I said, you know, with Evan's ability to to get the ball where it's supposed to go, just you know, I, I think it makes our pass game pretty pretty tough to defend. And you know, as, as we're getting into our league schedule now, and you know, our offensive line, you know, like I said, they're kind of growing up a little bit, and you know, it's just just allowing us to. Um, you know, be that much more difficult to defend. Talking with Hope Bowl head football coach Brian Kalachuga, though, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. On the flip side, the defense has been pretty good in their own right. Only twice teams have got into the double figures in terms of scoring. Kind of what can you say about the defense? I know some of the guys play double duty for you, but what kind of can you say about the defense and how they've been able to be as successful as they have so far? No, outstanding um, turnovers. You know, I think we're plus plus nine or plus eleven, something like that, now for the season. Um, and I think it's plus eleven through through five games in, in turnovers. Um, and you know, we we you know we limit our turnovers, but man, we've really caused a bunch. And um, you know, I think nineteen points is the most we've given up. And um, <clears throat> you know, they 
they've done a great job against the run. And then we've caused some turnovers in the past game. So, yeah, a lot of the same guys. You know, I think our D-line, um, our, our two inside guys, Aiden Fetro and Aiden Ewald, have done a great job of, of controlling the line of scrimmage. And, you know, we got some guys that can run and tackle. Our linebacking crew, um, Noah Kubitz, Mason Reinhardt, um, Adam Kreese, uh, and Braden Brickman have, have done an outstanding job of, of running the ball and tackling. And, um, yeah, no, it's – you know, our, our offense gets a lot of the press. We score a bunch of points, and you know we put up some good numbers. But you know we're we're five and zero because our defense has played outstanding and kept the, kept the teams out of the end zone and 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 got the ball back for our offense a bunch. And kind of with the success you guys have had so far, obviously starting the year five and zero, been a lot of good things to see on both sides of the ball. What kind of are the big things you work on typically week by week in practice? Obviously, the game plan itself changes each week, but what are some of the some of the kind of uh, fundamental type things you guys uh, do week by week? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a process. You know, it's and and ten weeks is a long season, and you know we we always talk about just trying to get a little bit better every day, and you know just whatever your assignment is. You know, whatever your 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 techniques are, whether it's on offense or defense, you know, we, we need to improve week by week. And we want to be our best at, at the end of the season. And to this point, we've done that. And, and, you know, we had a bunch, we had a lot of sophomores, a couple freshmen starting to get into the mix a little bit. Um, you know, they, they had to learn how to prepare, got to learn how to, how, you know, how to practice, um, what it takes, you know, how, what it takes in the weight room during the season, what it takes watching film and, you know, studying your, your scouting reports, you know, all, all of those things, you know, it, it doesn't just happen by accident. We don't just show up on Friday and, and you know, play good. It, it's a, it's a process Saturday through Friday. And uh, our, our guys have really embraced that. And our, our senior leadership is, is outstanding. You know, we only have six seniors, but man, their, their work ethic and their leadership is, is really um, been huge for us and you know they're taking these young guys and they're showing them what it means to you know to be a varsity football player at Hope Loudon. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios talking with Hope Loudon head football coach Brian Calatruglio and you look ahead to Friday night you guys will take on Margaret. I know they've had their share of struggles so far this year but a team that always seems to bring it every uh, every single week. What are some of the big things you kind of look forward to uh, seeing from them on Friday? Yeah no they're a really good football team. They now, they lost two games in the last minute, the, the first two weeks, and um, have now won three in a row. They, they easily could have been 5-0, and 4-1, and um, lost a one-point game in overtime and lost on the last second, you know, gave up a touchdown in the last 30 seconds against Vermillion. So, um, you know, they're, they're dangerous. They, they have some outstanding athletes, uh, probably two of the best receivers we're going to face all, all year, um, and, and, and Gage Bodie and uh, Julian Washington. Um, just two outstanding athletes, and you know we're, we're going to have our work cut out for us. Um, it, it's 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 going to be a great test for us, and you know a, a team that that we're going to have to 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 play you know play up to our level um, in in order to beat. And you look at what they are able to do. I mean, I know they have a very veteran coach over there. Uh, for yeah. for Margareta, what are some of those? I guess maybe little things you work on that are maybe different opponent by opponent, or is there anything they're maybe more successful in that some of the other teams you guys have uh, faced so far this year? Yeah, I think they're they're probably a little more balanced. You know, we've faced you know, a team, you know, Fostoria, who had some really good receivers. They they were really dangerous throwing the ball. Um, you know, we've faced some team like Gibsonburg, who you know, is a wing tee, going to run the ball most every down. 
you know, th- this is is the most balanced team that we face. You know, they're they're dangerous, um, running and throwing, and you know, it's it's you know, our, our our defense has got its work cut out for us, and you know, hopefully, offensively, we're able to continue to to finish drives and, and put some points on the board and, and put some pressure on, on their offense. And then uh, for, for Friday, you guys will be back at home. I know you guys played at Lakota last week. So kind of what kind of atmosphere are you uh, anticipating uh, to see uh, in Bascom on Friday? Uh, you know, I know it obviously hasn't been too, so super long since you've been back, uh, back at home, but what, uh, what kind of should the fans expect? No, we're excited. We're always excited to play at home and, you know, we're a special night for us. You know, we're going to honor the, uh, this is the 50th year of, of Hope Aladdin football. I know a lot of people don't realize, you know, Hope Aladdin didn't start football until 1973. Hmm. Um, so, you know, still relatively uh, young program compared to, you know, some of those around us. Um, so we're, we're trying to get some of the guys from that first team that, that are still around. We have a lot of guys in the community. Some of them have some grandkids, you know, playing and coming to school here. So, you know, we're, we're going to recognize that first team and, um, celebrate you know the the 50 years of, of Hope Aladdin football and um, so we're expecting a pretty good crowd and I know Margareta will travel well they they got a great fan base and and you know, it should be a great atmosphere for Friday night football and then uh, last one is kind of what's the overall message that uh, you're going to be telling your guys throughout the week in practice and then kind of for the fans that uh, are maybe for whatever reason they haven't been to a game so far this season, what are some of the things uh, they should be looking forward to on that side? No, just do the work and, and put the, you know, put the time in, prepare the way we've been preparing and, and come out and execute on, on, on Friday night. You know, I, I think we play an exciting brand of, of football and um, you know, we're, we're hoping to, you know, to continue that and, and um, you know, get the ball to, to our good players and, and see if we can't disrupt their offense a little bit. So, Again, great, great atmosphere. Um, should be an exciting night, and I'm really looking forward to you know, playing a big game on Friday. This has been Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Collatruglio. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Margareta. Awesome. Thanks, Lance. Appreciate it. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Fostoria head football coach Derek Kidwell. You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town, and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. And welcome back to the NWL Orthopedics Huddle from the Frickers Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 in ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM. I'm Bart Wilson, and I'm talking with Fostoria head coach Derek Kidwell. I know these past few weeks we've talked a lot about uh, miscues, missed opportunities, 
it was kind of similar last week against Otsego, but you guys did manage to have a comeback in the second half against the Knights, but it was a short-lived comeback. What can you say about the team's progress to this point now, especially talking about these miscues? You know, they were able to capitalize on some of those in this game. It's just they couldn't pull it out in the end. Uh, yeah, we didn't uh, capitalize on enough of them. Um, you know, we went in at half. Um, we had a little heart-to-heart -heart because we should have been up by 20, 21 or 14 points at least at half. Uh, we were 1 of 4 inside the, in the inside the red zone in the first quarter. Uh, that ain't going to beat many football teams. Uh, regardless of the competition level, um, especially with our deficiencies on offense and defense at times, it definitely uh, hampers us. So, you know, we let a golden opportunity slip through our fingers last Friday. Um, I did like how our kids competed and have a, had enough uh, grit to come back from two scores down to, to get the lead early in the fourth quarter, but we, we couldn't uh, couldn't hold on to that, couldn't stop them on, a, I think it was a 12-play drive to start the fourth quarter. Or at Seagull. So, you know, it was a missed opportunity. We uh, left some points on the field. Uh, we had some costly penalties. And we had uh, several missed tackles at inopportune times for us. So we're uh, we're still searching to put that perfect game or an A-plus game together. Um, and unfortunately for us, uh, we could probably put an A-plus game together this week, and it's still not going to be good enough. Oak Harbor is uh, an outstanding football team. On both sides of the ball, very big, physical, and athletic, and very fundamentally sound. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Gavin Miller's play. Um, it didn't seem like he had a lot more time in the pocket to breathe a little bit. What are your thoughts on the offensive line's performance uh, on Friday? Because I know that's been a concern of yours uh, throughout this season of protecting the quarterback yeah. and making sure he's good. Yeah, I thought Gavin had a fairly decent game. He uh, he left the pocket a little early a couple times when it wasn't warranted. Um, there was no pressure a couple times when he flooded himself out. Um, he did make a couple plays off of his scrambling, uh, but that's with Gavin being an athlete. We've seen him do that numerous times for us. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give our offensive line a real high grade. Um, we didn't we didn't get a fourth fourth and uh, three. In the first quarter, we ran an ISO play. We didn't move anybody, and we got stopped short on that. Um, and when we needed them to protect the quarterback late in the game, um, we had some free runners at us. So that really hurt our downfield passing attack because we couldn't allow our receivers time to get downfield. Um, so, you know, they're still a work in progress, as, as is the rest of the team. Um, you know, there were, there were some positives. Uh, we were able to run the ball early on in the game. And then we were able to run the ball in the third quarter with Matt Matthew Baldarama. Uh, mm -hmm. He came in in the second half and gave us a little boost in the run game. Um, but a lot of that was just his individual will and his uh, his wanting to to make an impact for us. So uh, we'll continue to coach this this offensive line to see if we can get a better performance each and every week. Um, but uh, I wasn't overly happy with the way our offense played on Friday. You know, after having that difficult loss last week, what's the message to the guys going into this week of practice? Uh, just keep getting better. You know, we got a couple of games in the back half of our schedule that we we really feel we can win. Uh, this is probably not one of them, but if we can just get a good week of practice and work on our fundamental stuff that that we believe in and then what we're doing and, and go up to Will Carver and 
and compete um, and stay, do the things that we can do to get better as a football team. That's all I can ask you, gentlemen, to do. Yeah, and, and like you said, you talked about how Oak Harbor, it's a red-hot team right now. What are some of the keys heading into this game that you're really going to have to hone in on uh, to take down this really high-powered team? Yeah, they're just, they're just very balanced. Uh, you know, they're they're about 66% run team. Um, offensive line is very efficient in, in getting on their blocks and staying on their blocks. So they got a multiple running backs that they use. A quarterback from last year, they moved him out to a receiver and they used him in the motion game with some jet sweeps and some screens. Um, the quarterback that they're playing this year is, is very athletic also and is probably a little better passer than their quarterback from last year. Um, so they, they give you a lot of different formations uh, to set up what they want to do in the run game. Uh, they pull a lot. They pull a lot with their, their tight ends and their wings and their guards. And then defensively, they're four base. They're you know they're four front defense, um, and they really get after you. They're extremely well coached. Uh, you can see that on film. Their linebackers are very aggressive, and they read their keys and they do what they're supposed to do. Secondary is a big zone, big zone concept. Uh, they don't let free free receivers uh, run too often. And if you do get a a little lane to throw the ball, uh, they they converge on it very quick. Um, so you know we're gonna try our quick passing game and. and See if we can get some screens and uh, let our athletes make plays for us. But it's a tall task. Uh, you know, we know that Gavin's going to have to get the ball on quick. He won't have a whole lot of time to sit back in the pocket and survey the field. Uh, we'll get a good week of practice in, and we'll go up there, and we'll try to execute our game plan and see what happens. So you're going to have to probably run a little bit more on those screen passes, quick passes, instead of going with your running game? Yeah, we don't want to go up there and try to throw the ball 60 times because the clock stops. Um, we, want, we want to shorten this game. Uh, we want to try to keep their offense off the field, their defense on the field. And that's probably the best way to, to control the, the clock and uh, control the scoreboard. Um, hopefully we can get some running game going. Uh, but it'll be important in the early downs, first down, second down, to get some positive yardage in the running game so we can, we can stay ahead of the change. We don't, we don't want to get in second along and third along because when you do that, they'll bring some blitz packages at you, and they're very, they're very good at attacking you. Now with defense, I mean, are you going to have to do a lot more, uh, sending more guys uh, to the line to try to put up some more pressure on their uh, on their run game? Uh, they're balanced. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll do a check with the coaches on the sidelines. They'll see what you're in. They'll look at the sidelines and they'll make the call. So, um, you know, we just got to we gotta read our keys and let the linemen take you to the ball. And when we, when we do get to the ball, uh, we, we did a better, a lot better job of tackling last Friday against Oswego than we had against Bowling Green and Hopewell and those guys. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna have to continue to tackle well. We're gonna have to gain we're gonna have to gain tackle and we're gonna have to run to the football because um, their running backs and their receivers when they get on the jet sweep, you know, they don't go down always with the first contact. They're they're a very scrappy team. So we're gonna have to get eleven black hats to the football and really uh, gain tackle in order for us to be successful on defense. Well coach, I wish you nothing but the best for Friday. Good luck against this Oak Harbor squad. And thank you so much for joining me again this week uh, for another interview. No problem. Once again, I'm Bart Wilson. And after a quick break, Lance and Matt will talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM.
Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you until 730. The Finley Trojans got their fourth straight win in a major way on the road over Fremont Ross this Friday. They take on Springfield. We're now pleased to be joined by Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, here in the Frickers Zoom room. And, Coach, I'll get right into it. Another big win for you guys this time in a rivalry matchup against Fremont Ross. What were what were some of your big takeaways? For us, man, it was uh, one of those deals where you knew kind of the environment that we were heading into, and um, our guys kind of persevered through the ups and downs of, of what, you know, at, at points in times was a, a sloppy moments of the game um but the kids played hard and and were able to kind of pull out a win and i just I, I'm, I'm proud of their continuous perseverance and their next play mentality so that's always the biggest thing in a game like that in a rivalry game it was always the next play the next play next play no matter what kind of mistakes or kind of things got in the way of us being clean and uh progressing forward in a very smooth way yeah definitely definitely seemed like the kind of game friday night coach where it was things still went right some things still went wrong yeah. But at the end of the day, you come away with that W. Do, do you attribute that more just to it being Fremont Ross, where it seems year in and year out that's just a back and forth knockdown drag out game? But only difference is this year you guys kind of pulled away from it. Yeah, or yeah. anything else that you might add to that? No, I mean that's exactly it. It's you go to a you go to a place like that and you just expect, you know, the the, the worst, right? You expect the environment to be what it is, you expect kind of the choppiness, the competitiveness, the rivalry. I mean, it was made very clear that they're a community and kids don't like us. And uh, so, you know, it's just going to come with its own shenanigans, you know, and uh, you're at their home place. So there's a little bit of, I wouldn't say home cooking, but I mean, things tend to, the things tend to go a little bit more their way than our way. So, uh, you know, once again, our, our kids did a great job of responding every time something happened. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. Ryan Montgomery, another great day, almost 400 yards passing. What would you think of the night he had? Uh, good night. I mean, he, he's been he's been on a roll. I mean, he's been, when I say on a roll, he's been dialed in and locked into his, his assignments and uh, where the ball's got to be. He does a great job. He's a very, very good at processing information. Um, he's kind of that guy that kind of wants all the information all week long and you know, he dies in the film so much and, you know, he's talking the same language that we're talking as coaches. So to watch him continue to uh, really make those reads and get the ball where it got to go, like he's he's playing steps ahead of the defense. Yeah, and looking at that offense as well, obviously you just mentioned Ryan's night and a great night, as is seems to be tradition for him 
at this point. Um, but by the same token, 49 points, offense as a whole really seemed to be doing their job at throughout majority of the game. How, how do you feel about the overall offensive performance that you got from the kids? Yeah, I thought it was a good performance. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're putting points up, right? But like, it's kind of funny. We walked out of that game that night. And I can say this now that we're down the line, and you know, you don't take you don't take wins for for granted. But you know, as coaches, right? We're we're you walk out of there and you're like, man, there was still so much more to give, right? Like we didn't even realize, you know, what we did offensively, total offense. We didn't realize how many yards we had. It was just, so it's just there were so many choppy parts, and we're kind of us being our own worst enemy at times. But we still had to put up a lot of points. We still were extremely efficient. We still had a high completion percentage and, you know, and, and Javante had a big, another big performance that we, he was close to beating the record for a single game receiving yards. Like, it's like, we still did a lot of good things, but I know for us, we're just, we, we desire to have a such much more of a cleaner game. And you just kind of alluded to something I wanted to touch on with uh, Javante Hill. He, like you said, had himself a good day, 11 grabs for 219 yards are him and Ryan, you know, the duo, it looks like they are on paper. What can you say kind of about the uh, chemistry those two guys have? Well, yeah, I mean, Javante's, you know, he's 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 a, a super uber competitor. Um, he wants the ball in his hands. He's that way with basketball, that way with baseball. I mean, he's just a, he's a high level competitor and he's so good at finding a feel for green grass. And when he gets the ball in his hand, so good at being able to maneuver and get his, you know, get that top speed going very quickly. Um, he's just really asserting his dominance. He's been very, very clean and he's very good at, you know, getting the calls and putting himself in a position to kind of make a big play. Like he wants to score every single play. And I think that's, those are the signs of like really good competitors when like they, he genuinely feels if I catch the ball that I'm going to score. And, uh, so, you know, that's just that, that strain and that efforts there every single time. So, um, he's definitely kind of the top dog and everybody else kind of follow, follow, follows along. I was actually just about to ask, kind of stole my thunder just a little bit yeah. with him kind of taking that top dog mentality and really running with it. I mean, it, you, you talk about great quarterback receiver combos throughout the years, regardless of the era or the level or anything like that. You you kind of find the same mentality where it's the, the quarterback is, you know, very methodical, very, I, I'm asking all the questions of basically a glorified coach out on the field and the wide receiver is, that's cool. Get the ball in my hands and let me just do what I do kind of attitude. Have you seen that really pick up with Javante as the season has gone on? Cause it really, that was one of the, a little bit of a question mark coming into the season. It seems like it's turned into an exclamation point for you guys offensively. Yeah, no, he, he's uh, I think the, the, the cool thing about the cool thing about it is like, you know, the guys were so comfortable in the scheme um we we've wrapped it so much uh to the point where there's a there, there's a you know in the, in the game of any or any game right but in football like you know one I know my assignment I know where I got to be um I compete at a high level like all that stuff just matters and makes sense so but yeah no but back to your point of, of kind of how it all like with Javante when you have confidence in the scheme when you know where you're supposed to be and there's not really the thought process taken out and you're able to just to play fast you know, then you're able to execute at a very high level. And I think that propels like anybody, right? Say it's like you're, I look at like our our, our JV guys and, and kind of the guys between, like even they are able to ex execute at a high level, even though they're still developing because they're confident in what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be, and then them be able, being able to react uh, to the coverages and, and to defenses uh, just gives you all the confidence in the world. Just kid, the kids are coached up. I, I can tell you that. And I think that's clear as day when we watch film on Mondays. 
This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephan Adams. On the defensive side, you guys were able to do some things well. You did have that 95-yard pick six along with some other big plays. What were the big things you can say about the defensive side? Yeah, just I'm continuously impressed. I mean, we we knew we knew kind of going into that Fremont game, a lot of the good things that we could do. And, you know, you knew there was going to be some moments of adversity and so forth, but they, they got stops when they needed to. They got home to the quarterback when they needed to. We we talk about being soul takers and take away what the soul of the offense or defense is. And in their case, being able to stop the run and stop the big play. They got us once or twice, but we expect that in that kind of a game. But still, we had a takeaway, a couple of takeaways, a couple of turnovers. We uh, took one to the house. Uh, that was awesome. And uh, I was really proud of their effort, man. They, they play extremely hard. And I've kind of said all along a lot of times that when we came into it, I felt we we could have a really good defense this year. You know, I knew our offense could could do what we're doing now, but I really felt that we could have a good defense too. And I think we're really seeing that as we go along. We're just, you know, looking to continue to sustain that throughout the course of uh, this week against Springfield and the rest of the season. And coach, what is it about this Fremont Ross game year in and year out that leads to incredible highlights like that 95 yard pick six? I mean, it's, you don't usually get those at the high school level, but it seems every year you guys over Finley just gift us with a couple absurd highlights when it comes to the Fremont Ross game every year. It just, it's, I'm I'm just fascinated. Like, do, do you guys like save them in the repertoire? Like, I, I know I know people joke that the NFL scripted, but do you go up to your defense and be like, okay, this is the week where you get the pick six. This Man, is the return week. It's just you guys gotta be ready. It's just by nature. Like, you watched? Did you guys watch that Colorado Colorado State game? Right? Like, just yes. the craziness of all of it all. Like, I think that's just what a rivalry game like brings out. Like, no matter what the record is, no matter you know how well how bad you're doing that year, like. Yeah, those rivalry games just bring out something different. And, you know, you get this craziness all the time. And I think that we had some craziness sprinkled in there this past Friday. But, you know, overall, still able to take care of business at a, at a very high level. So, yeah, no, those, those games present craziness at all times. You never know. Talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Looking ahead to Friday night, as you alluded to, you guys take on Springfield in another NLL matchup. What are some of the big things you've uh, seen from them to look forward to on Friday? Well, they got a stud, they got a stud running back. I think he's probably one of the best running backs in the conference, if you ask me. I think he's a very high level, going to be a pretty a uh, high-level running back moving forward in college. He's a sophomore right now. Um, got a good frame, got good twitch. Uh, everything kind of runs through him. I mean, it's there's no secrets. He's there, they want to get him the ball, and they want him to be able to make plays and kind of get their offense started. So we're going to have to be very, very conscious of, of, of where he is, his alignments, uh, where he's at and what they like to do. And uh, when we get opportunities to wrap him up and tackle, we got to bring him down because he's, uh, he's got good twitch. Like I'm pretty sure or imagine he's very strong in the weight room. Uh, especially with kind of his, you know, the squats and the explosion, the power cleans. Like I can imagine he's pretty, pretty good. So definitely got to be on point with that defensively. They got some good athletes on the outside and uh, up front, they kind of bring in the noise a little bit. Uh, they don't kind of sit back and, and let you kind of just dictate what they want to do. They try to dictate what they want to do on their terms. So we're going to have to be, uh, we're going to have to be super prepared to, to, to be good on all, on all phases of the game. And uh, with their skill that can kind of take something home in the kick return game or the punt return game, like, We've got to be super disciplined and uh, get ready to compete for four quarters. 
when you look at a team like this with the kind of ground game they have, I know two, two and three, some people may dismiss that, but I'm with you. I mean, the, the highlights that you see from this kid for Springfield is just absurd what he's able yeah. to on the ground game. Do, do you feel that's something that you guys will be able to counter pretty well to maybe avoid it being a tempo game? Or are you just, Hey, he's going to get, he's going to get his hits. He's going to get his shots. We're just going to have to roll with it and see where the chips fall at that point. Yeah. I mean, we got, we got to compete. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to, there's no secret. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're saying any secrets. We're not saying any secrets. I mean, they're going to get the ball to their best player and he's their dude. And uh, we got to be able to accept the challenge to stop it. Um, they do a good job of moving him around and putting him in different spots, whether it's in a slot, uh, whether it's in the backfield, uh, you know, obviously just to give him an easy touch. Right. So uh, we just got to be very, very conscious of where he is at on the, where he's at on the field and be able to be in the position to make the plays that we need to make. He's one of those guys you can't you can't let a running back like that kind of get started and get rolling. Once he gains confidence, the knees get a little higher uh, they get a little stronger uh, and then, then he gets a little more faster and a little more twitchier like it's just. You got to stop him in his tracks before he gets rolling. So what you're saying is, is that he's basically a future UT rocket because every five to seven years or so they've had, you know, one really stud player, you know, Bryant Kobach, not too long ago, Eric page before him, they all ended up at UT. So it sounds like you're facing a future UT rocket. Uh, Listen, I, 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 I come from the world of coaching running backs and I, uh, take great passion in, in, in watching and assessing running backs and, I've, I've we've scouted we're obviously watching this kill an opponent scout but you know when I sit back and look at it man I got no problem admitting I mean he's he's going to be a future stud he's going to be somewhere pretty good I can promise you that and obviously you have someone pretty good on your roster too <laughs> just <laughs> just for fun I'm I'm just going to ask I know we're probably not getting an answer but I'm curious ha- has any certain school from Columbus Ohio reached out yet about Ryan, because starting, I'm starting to get a little shaky about his list of uh, finalists for schools that he's looking at. Because you know, some of them have that dreaded SEC banner attached to it. And I'm not <laughs> sure how I feel about that. Uh, it's a crazy process. I mean, I, I, I can say this, and you know, because I try to leave that world to him. But um, you know, he's having a good year this year, and you know, you, you saw the list and see the list. But uh, you know, there's guys that have been here from day one, and the recruitment process can change at any point in time. So uh, he he's done a good job this year of focusing just on football. It's been a lot of football. He took a visit, you know, a couple of weeks, but it's been mainly about just the team and getting better. So we'll see how things, you know, unfold, man. It's a, it's a, the college football world, as you guys know, is a crazy world. And, uh, you know, he was down at Ohio State a couple weeks ago to watch his brother play. So, you know, everything's kosher. And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see as time goes on how things all unfold. Talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. And I know we talk, you know, often about, you know, what kind of atmosphere you guys are going to see at home at Donnell. But this time, it, it's a little different because it'll be homecoming. Do you think there might be, you know, a little extra flair in the air come Friday? I think so. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement. I think it's, you know, homecoming always brings about excitement. Um, but you add on kind of the great crowds that we've had already, uh, both home and away games and, you add the homecoming. Some former players have already texted me they're coming back and excited to get back. And not a matter of a lot of students come back home from the first time as freshmen to college right now. Uh, it'll be fun and all the all the hoopla that goes along with it, right? The parade, the kids. And I know my wife's taking taking a little man and a little mama to the parade. So um it, it'll be a it'll be a fun, it's a it's a fun time, it's a fun opportunity. You know, I tell to keep telling the guys it's a great chance to continue to honor those who come before you. So 
uh, I think our guys have taken to that and they're excited about getting out there and, you know, being able to go out there and put a good on a good performance. And coach two-parter before I get to my, you know, need the message from the, uh, fans yep. of the team tonight or for the game on Friday, excuse me. Um, I did happen to catch on Twitter since you mentioned, you know, the, the family and the kids on that one. I, I did see your kids start to get a little better going against you defensively at this point on the, uh, on, uh, the basketball side. Thing. Are, are we feeling good about his development there right Listen, now? We're, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a super tough on him, which I probably shouldn't be as much as I am, but <laughs> the ball fakes are happening. You got the basketball, he's doing ball fakes, he's dribbling. <laughs> he's, he, if you watch the video, he shoots the ball and he actually flicks his wrist. Like, listen, I, I I like where he's at. We still got a long way to go, but I like where we're at right now. But we're not going to be content with anything. The, the future. All I know is the future of Finley basketball is bright. From what I've been seeing, I just got to make sure he doesn't tackle people, man. He's a, he's a brute, and I got to make sure he doesn't <laughs> tackle anybody because he's he is all about just being like super aggressive, and we'll we'll see how he continues to develop. Absolutely, and coach, as always, as, as me, I. Message for the fans, message for us. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's homecoming week. I'm ready to run through a wall. Send me there. Yeah, you know, we. I told you guys, if this one this one is more a little, maybe hopefully it gets you, gets you going, but it's a little more subdued. But it just goes back to uh, the idea that, you know, how much bigger the game of football is. You know, you think about how grateful we we are to be in a position where uh, we're center stage and, and we're kind of the, of the big show. Uh, to kind of cap off a great week and also to continue on the great Saturday with kind of the dance and all that good stuff. But like, you know, everybody's coming to watch us play. Like everybody's coming back to to get together with friends, to see people, to hang out. Um, you know, we know what a, we know what a football game is about. I say a lot. Some of it, some of it's most of it's watching the game, but some of it's a social event too. So while we're there, we might as well put on a good show for everybody else and and just always remember, you know, you're doing something. You're doing this for something way bigger than what you can even imagine. You know, and that's. Uh, you know, coaches that came before me, that's players that came before you, that's people who love the blue and gold. And, you know, people want to take a little bit of time to come check us out. Let, let's go out there and handle our business the right way and go do it at a very high level and make sure we give people something to talk about and add to such a great week that's already have. So, you know, get involved. Go to We talked about earlier this week, go to games, go support the other teams that are playing. Our guys were at the volleyball games this week and getting out and going and seeing a bunch of people and did a little bonfire on you know, Sunday night, like, there's just a lot of good things going on. So don't to, to cherish the opportunity to be able to, you know, essentially go out there and perform and, and perform really well in front of a bunch of people who are coming to watch us play. This has been Finley High School's head football coach, Steph Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Springfield. Appreciate you guys and uh, looking forward to talking as always. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll be back shortly to take a look at the NFL here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go. NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Big B Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. 
available for a limited time at one of the two Big B Coffee locations in Findlay, one on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. Back we are on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you for a little bit longer. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with awful announcing and the comeback. Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Calatruglio, Bostoria head football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams for all joining us on the show today. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. We might not be at the Frickers and Finley, but stop in for their daily specials and also, of course, pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash, download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, we got to talk, uh, I got to talk some NFL and uh, look back at week number two a little bit. Uh, Falcons beat the Packers in a crazy kind of back and forth game. Ravens beat the Bengals. Bengals a little slow getting things going starting the year. Chargers and Lions both losing overtime. The Bucks beat the Bears. They're 2-0. The Chiefs beat the Jags. Colts beat the Texans. But Anthony Richardson does get hurt. Niners beat the Rams in what was a pretty good game, all things considered. The Giants finally decide to show signs of life in the second half. They come back and beat the Cardinals. Commanders beat the Broncos, and that was one of the uglier games. Dolphins beat the Patriots. Saints hold off the Panthers. Steelers beat the Browns. And as you talked in the start of the show, Nick Chubb out for the year, still kind of getting over his injury. So what what are kind of your big uh, your big takeaways uh, looking back at week two? Well, obviously, I mean, the Nick Chubb injury, that's devastating for the Cleveland Browns. Um, word on the street is that they are going to be re-signing Kareem Hunt back to the active roster. So it looks like it's going to be Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt going forward. But make no mistake, you, you don't replace Nick Chubb. You just don't. It's you're going to manage without Nick Chubb. And for my two cents as well, first two weeks of the season, plus the six games that he played last year, Deshaun Watson might be gaining on thinner ice than anyone with $230 million and guaranteed probably should be at this point because he's really starting to look like a question mark whether or not he's actually going to fully come back to the level he was in 2019-2020. Um, have to talk about Tampa Bay. I called that one in the preseason. That's like, hey, they're going to be better than people are giving them credit for, and that has been the case. Hats off to them on that one. It seems like the – Level of play that they've been getting means Devin White's no longer requesting a trade, and God willing, Mike Evans will do the same thing if they keep going. But really, you're you're seeing some of the what I've been impressed with is the young guys stepping up. You talk about that Atlanta Falcons game. Bijan Robinson looks amazing. He looks absolutely incredible. And before he got hurt, Anthony Richardson has been looking pretty solid. And we got to address, you know, our Ohio State quarterback, CJ Stroud. Like third or fourth in the NFL in passing yards. I mean, he's on a terrible football team. It's just terrible, terrible football team. But he's looked very good for the most part. And it's starting to look to the point where, you know, maybe Carolina might have some buyer's remorse of trading up for Bryce Young as opposed to CJ Stroud. So, uh, so definitely some good things that I've seen so far in the NFL. There's been some good performances, some good talent. That has been on display. Not necessarily surprised with a lot of stuff. Uh, I will be honest. Arizona kind of threw me for a curveball the game they played over the weekend. It's it, it 
give them credit. They don't even know how to tank properly, I suppose. But no, good a good week in the NFL, kind of a rough week in terms of injuries, especially when you factor in Nick Chubb and Anthony Richardson. Those are two teams that were looking to be on the up and up this year that probably just lost their best players because of this week. Guess what? What? Get them out of here. Brandon Staley, obviously, Matt, come on. I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm not up to date on my Brandon Staley quotes there, Lance. Oh, it's not a quote. It's just I want him out of there. I'm done with him. Oh, you're already done? What? But it's only week two. Come on. He's got plenty of time to blow more games. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for That's... making my point for me. There's plenty of time for him. Look, Brandon Staley, he's probably going to be one of those people that goes down as someone who is a great coordinator, but probably not a top guy. I mean, no no secret, Nathaniel Hackett, kind of the same way. Looks good as a coordinator. That seems to be doing a decent job with that one, but at the end of the day, not really a top guy. So Brand Staley, probably out. not going to be the dude going forward. I'm sorry, what was that? Get him out. You, you just want me to say get him out? That, that's all him. you're looking get for? Get him out, yes. Just get him out? Yes. So get him out. That's That's what you want. Yes, that's exactly what I want. Well, that, that's fair, and I respect that. He probably will be out. I think, actually, hold on. So I do make a, at the start of the year, I do make a prediction of, like, the coaches that are going to be fired. I did actually have him on my list, so there well, you go. As, as you should have. Yeah, so if it makes you feel any better, I think he will be fired. Here's here's Maybe what not here's what I'm tomorrow. hoping. Well, should have fired him on Sunday before the game was even done Sunday, but that's beside the point. <laughs> what I'm hoping, here, here's my hope. My hope is they fire him at some point whether it's now or whether it's week 12 or whatever. I'm just pulling that out of thin air. I hope they do that. They make Kellen Moore the interim head coach. You see what you got. See if there's something there. If not, okay, we go into the offseason and know we need a completely new regime. Or you just go with Kellen Moore and then figure out the pieces after that. I see that. You know, honestly, I could see Kellen Moore maybe getting the nod there. I do. He's on, he's in, on my short list as one of the top head coaching candidates for this season going into like 2024 20, and all that. So he he's, he's definitely there. I mean, if he can keep it up, the offense has looked good. It's just, you know, Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley's, I suppose it's, it's no other way to put it, but yeah, I, I, I think you'll be okay. I think Staley will be gone by the end of this season. Three words, Matt, just three words, get him out, get him out, get him out. <laughs> We we have established your opinion on this one, Lance. I feel it's safe that you do not want to keep Brandon Staley as the head coach of the Chargers. Just about out of time, but let's take a quick peek at week three. Thursday, you got Giants versus the Niners. Sunday, Browns-Titans, Chargers-Vikings in a battle of two teams that, I mean, come on. Neither of them should be 0-2, let's be honest. Patriots take on the Jets, Colts-Ravens, Bears-Chiefs, could actually be interesting depending on what the bears get out of uh, all their pieces and then Steelers Raiders on Sunday night. That's kind of an interesting Sunday night game, but then another doubleheader Monday night bucks, Eagles and Rams versus Bengals. I know what you're looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. That bucks game, but I'm also looking forward to Chris Stapleton's in the air tonight round two. That was fantastic for the new Monday night football intro. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that, but no, that honestly, I think this is the week where a lot of these 0-2 teams that really shouldn't be 0-2 
are going to find their footing again. Like I really do. It's that they seem like they're, it, it seems like it's going to be matchups where they should be able to find their footing, actually move forward, get W obviously for some of them, it's going to be a force of habit because they, you know, it's oh and two teams playing each other, but in all sincerity, even for the teams that aren't playing each other, they're oh and two. I see them having good games this weekend. See them being much more competitive. I, I think you're going to get a real feel for what this season of the NFL is going to look like starting this week. You're going you're to start to see the actual contenders pull away from the pretenders and vice versa. So that'll just about do it for us tonight. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Hope well out in head football coach Brian Calatruglio, Fall Story head football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams for all joining us tonight. On the show, again, don't miss our coverage this Friday of high school football. 6 o'clock, it'll all get started with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will preview all the games from around the area for week 6 of high school football. On Classic Hits, we'll head back to the SBC River. Hopewell Loudon plays host to Margareta. Jimmy Nixon and I will have coverage of that one from that Bascom on Friday night. That'll be on Classic Hits 96.7. On WFOB, we'll have more coverage of the Foss Story of Edmund. They hit the road. Another tough task they take on Oak Harbor. Matt Com and Tom Grind have that one Friday on WFOB. And then after the game, stay tuned in for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will recap all the games for week six of high school football. You can hear that once the games have wrapped up. In a few moments, we'll flip over. We'll have coverage of the Toledo Mudhens as they play host to St. Paul as they near the end of their season in AAA. For my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys in the next one.